Hi, Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and I have here with me today, Razlo. Pleasure to be back. Yes, very happy to have you back, Razlo. Uh, Jace is currently away on a personal matter. Everything's fine with him. He's just busy today. Um, we regrettably have to start today on a double somber note. It's been mm. a not stellar 48 hours over in Japan. Um, to start with the more recent one and the one that'll be making more mainstream headlines that we also aren't going to talk about as much because we don't have as much to say on the matter. Um, the former prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, was assassinated earlier today. Um, man is the uh, longest, uh, the person who held the office of prime minister for longer than anybody else. Uh, he's not the current prime minister. So, you know, the, the political situation in Japan is stable that he was retired at this point, retired uh, midway through last year. He was doing a speech campaigning for someone in one of the lower houses of Congress, I believe, when uh, he was shot twice by someone who had made a homemade gun, actually, mm. uh, and, uh, you know, we're not going to get into the man's politics, but goodness knows uh, he was at the helm of the country for a very long time. And uh, obviously things of this nature are never what one hopes to see. So uh, our thoughts are with the folks in Japan over there right now. And preceding this, uh, yesterday the news came out for something that's, uh, I suppose, a bit more personal perhaps for a lot of folks uh, in the U.S. and for listeners of our show in particular, and that is that Mr. Kazuki Takahashi, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh!, has also passed. Uh, his body was discovered out at sea with snorkeling gear. Um, initial reports have him uh, with several wounds that seem to suggest that he was attacked by... Uh, some sea animal. Uh, the investigation of the death is still ongoing, but all current signs seem to suggest that this was, quite frankly, a freak accident. Um, people generally don't try to end their own lives with snorkeling gear on, and mm -hmm. it, if you wanted to end somebody else's life, there's simpler ways to do so than a snorkeling accident. So current, you know, I suppose, uh, I don't want to say educated guesses, but current logic sort of dictates that this was likely an accident. But uh, right. Kazuki Takahashi also uh, no longer with us. And that I know certainly for myself that I grew up a lot with Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm not sure about you, Raslo. Yeah, I, I, I've seen, you know, I, I've played it slightly and I've, I've seen some of the uh, anime. I never uh, had read uh, the manga it was based on, although I've definitely seen uh, plenty of pages from it. But really amazing uh, art and obviously uh, super influential property, regardless of what you know, anyone personally uh, feels about it. For sure, yeah. That, um, you know, just this past weekend at Anime Expo, in the entertainment hall, there was a massive booth for Yu-Gi-Oh! where mm. they had, you know, tournaments and events going on throughout the weekend that uh, in at Anime Expo, you have the exhibit hall, 
which is where folks like, you know, Crunchyroll, V Shoujo, Kadansha, etc., are going to have their booths. But then there's another hall, which is known as the Entertainment Hall. And that's where you find folks like all the different TCGs that I, there was the One Piece card game that was actually seeing its debut at Anime Expo. Um, they, that's where they have all the video gaming, the tabletop stuff. Um, there were uh, a couple different, um, the, the cosplay photo sets are there. That's where they have the community stage. So stuff that isn't exactly vendor related. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, as the name would suggest, entertainment-related, and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! was a significant part of it. And obviously, Yu-Gi-Oh! having just begun, I think, its ninth series yeah. recently, that, you know, I remember back in my day when we <laughs> had GX, and we thought it was nice that it was getting a second series. And here we are, however many years later, with the latest iteration, whose name I honestly cannot remember. And it's the type of thing that I don't really follow Yu-Gi-Oh anymore that um the the game is not for me at this point but uh, I'm not going to yuck someone else's yum that if somebody else has grown up with Yu-Gi-Oh and stuck through it through thick and thin good for them if someone's just discovering Yu-Gi-Oh right now I am happy that it is something that has continued to see success I am happy that people continue to enjoy it and to identify with that property it is certainly a formative one for me even if not one that I actively follow today, that I have many, many, many fond memories of playing the card game with friends, of uh, going to pre-releases, of uh, you know watching the show through those early, early years. And uh, it's something that I, I consider myself kind of privileged to say, you know, I was mm-hmm. there for the beginning, that I remember right. watching it on Kids WB and Cartoon Network and seeing the beginnings of what is now a dynasty, frankly. And uh, right, yeah. goodness knows that uh, while Mr. Takahashi may no longer be with us, that his legacy will absolutely endure. He will be remembered very fondly, um, certainly before his time, but uh, his impact has absolutely been felt and that uh, our thoughts are with his family, with his friends, and uh, with the broader Yu-Gi-Oh! community at this time. So... Uh, it's very Just rare that we have to start our shows on you know a downer much less a double downer like this so sorry folks but uh <laughs> headlines of this magnitude are ones that i felt uh, had to be acknowledged I just wanted to uh, add for anyone that's listening that happens to be a fan of uh the game the official Yu-Gi-Oh uh card game account uh, did tweet out that you know they were obviously sad and shocked to hear the news, and that they were grateful uh, for all the universes that he had created. Uh, and they were sending their thoughts to the friends and family, and also said they pledged to carry on uh, the legacy of the game with the love and care it deserves. So, for those who are into it and wondering if this passing you know necessarily means that uh that property is done on the you know card game end or uh, oh, i can't speak so much on the manga end but at least on the card game end it seems like it's going to continue going long uh after his passing which is 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 quite a legacy yeah from what i understand that even in recent years that mr takahashi had stepped back from active oversight in writing that a mm-hmm. lot of it um was, you know, he continued to have an amount of oversight on it, but not necessarily, uh, he wasn't helming the series, he wasn't, 
you know, uh, for lack of a better term, CEO in any regard mm-hmm. that he was more of, you know, a retired board member as yeah, folks of that nature usually do. So mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the active stewardship of the series of the IP had already been passed along to various other parties. So I do not anticipate that this will have any active impact on production. I don't think there's going to be any delays or, you know, hiatuses as a result. I assume that uh, in uh, some combination of business and legal documents that uh, the rights to continue the series have been passed on in one way or another. So uh, I do not anticipate that series ending anytime mm-hmm. soon. I think that it will absolutely continue under perhaps new stewardship or perhaps old stewardship with just, uh, you know, no longer the uh, whatever level of oversight Mr. Takahashi had. Yeah, it's it's a really impressive thing when you look at, uh, you know, especially I, I feel like in Japan compared to, uh, you know, the U.S., the amount of properties that, you know, continue it's such a small amount of properties that mm-hmm. you know continue on uh for decades so for Yu-Gi-Oh to join the likes of you know Lupin and Doraemon and you know these handful just this very small handful of properties that continue on uh and and in some of those other cases past the also past the lives of the people that created them it's it's a very small club and and something yeah. that hopefully fans uh of it can take solace in uh, in, in, in during this tragic moment. Yeah. And it's, I would certainly say one of the first for folks of our age range in our lifetime mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you know, everybody passes sooner or later, but it's the type of thing that for a lot of series we grew up with that we are very fortunate that the creators are still alive at this time. Um, and, you know, inevitably things will change and that, uh, people do pass over time, but it, Certainly, this is the first that I can remember for a property that I grew up with, saw the beginning of, that has really cemented itself and that the creator has now passed. So, uh, Mm. very sad moment, but, uh, you know, not everybody can pass and say that they have a legacy of this magnitude either. So, true. um, uh, Mr. Takahashi's name is printed on literally every Yu-Gi-Oh card that... Uh, if you look, I believe it's in the lower left corner that it says copyright 1996 Kazuki Takahashi. That name is going to continue to be printed on every single Yu-Gi-Oh card from here until the end of its That's printing. Great. So he will be remembered. But uh, on to, I suppose, some more positive things that uh, I was not around last week because I was over at Anime Expo in Los Angeles along with, yeah, along with Mario and several others. Uh, Anime Expo is back, baby. 100,000 people sold out. It was a very, very busy weekend for a lot of people. Um, The mask situation was not what anybody hoped it would be. I will say that much, but to be fair, this is also becoming a broader issue with conventions Mm -hmm. as a whole, that it was a thing with Akon as well, that um, it's perhaps ironically now easier to enforce vaccine mandates than mask mandates. Because vaccine mandates, you check the folks when they come in, and you know if you don't present mm-hmm. your documentation, you're not getting in. And once it's done, it's done. Whereas, you know, when you have a hundred thousand people, and if 
10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people decide to pull their mask down once they're past the security guard at the front, there's not a lot you can do of, you you can't have people walking the hall saying, you pull up your mask, you pull up your mask, you pull up your mask. It's just not practical. So it's actually going to be interesting to see because, you know, as other conventions have to sort of really grapple with their policies, what's going to become the the standard that are we just going to mm-hmm. eventually drop things and people say, all right, eh, at this point, your safety is you, your concern. We are not liable and you need to understand the risks that you take. Or are folks going to start saying, all right, maybe we don't have mask policies, but we do continue to have vaccine policies because vaccine policies have continued to be enforceable and successful. And that, you know, as we have actually seen the past couple times, you know, with central and for the 24 hours that AX tried to rescind their vaccine policy, that they actually saw significant backlash. So it is quite clear that the community at large is not only accepting of vaccine policies, but actively wants them at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And that may change over the years. That could absolutely change. But, you know, for the time being, it will be interesting to see where uh, conventions go with this. But past all of that, the convention as a whole, I would say was very successful that, you know, it felt like a direct continuation of 2019, that all the big players were there. Obviously, there wasn't a Funimation booth for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was working with Crunchyroll by way of our friends at AC Paradise, uh, overseeing a promotion for the Naruto anime 20th anniversary, which is kind of weird to think it's 20 years for the anime yeah. and longer for the manga. We want to talk right. about, you know, ongoing properties, things that we grew up with that continue to have impact today, that there was a lot of people who were, you know, in Naruto cosplay, who were really mm. excited to, you know, see the super cool poster that we were giving away as part of a stamp rally. It was a, a really cool one of, you know, older Naruto in his Okage robe and everything, uh, you know, putting a hand on his younger self's shoulder, who was like on a swing on uh, that was That's attached cool. to a tree. It was very sweet, of, you know, just sort of the, you know, looking back and saying to his younger self, we made it. And uh, <laughs> it was very nice. And uh, just the weekend as a whole, I thought went very well. I know a lot of folks who went and had a great time. So, uh, it, you know, conventions are back and it, it's nice. It, it's nice to have them back. That Crunchyroll Expo is in about a month's time. Uh, the broader, what I would call convention season for the U.S. is winding to a close that usually I would call convention season here to be from early mid-April, sort of starting with um, like Central and Boston, a couple others over there, and then ending right around this time with AX at uh, we still have CRX, we still have Oticon, but a lot of the big ones happen in these uh, middle months of the year. And uh that then it sort of gets a bit quieter that obviously, you know, there are anime conventions that happen every weekend of the year across the country, but those are going to be mostly small and medium-sized cons uh, that you have a couple dotted ones that there's obviously um, NYC in November, Frontier in December, but uh, not quite as many of the big hitters back to back to back. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, someone not even at Anime Expo, I was just impressed by the uh, volume and how huge the announcements that happened there were. So it definitely felt like a huge convention, even from the point of view of someone that wasn't there. 
Yeah, we had a lot of very big announcements, very fun announcements. Like, one of the big ones that got me is, holy crap, we're getting Penny and Stocking Season 2. <laughs> so hot, it's, so hot. It's been 87 years, but we're getting it, baby. I'm so excited. <laughs> Never oh, my gosh. That. Like, I, I have long assumed we have actually had episodes of this very podcast where we discussed series that ended strangely or mm -hmm. weirdly and right. i have long assumed that the ending of penny and stocking season one was just a gag and you know they said to be continued <laughs> in season two and that they had no intention of ever actually continuing it that it was a silly crazy subversive parody series and that you know they they pulled something crazy in episode 12 with no real intention of actually ever, you know, resolving it. That that was the gag, that was the end. And I, you know, for a series like that, I'm okay with it ending like that. I wasn't expecting yeah, it. Didn't matter. But to hear, yeah, we're going to get it, I'm not complaining. I'm mm -hmm. thrilled. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what Trigger does after all these years. I hope that it is just as, you know, wild and irreverent as season one was and, uh yeah we don't know exactly when that will happen but uh it's in production so here we go yeah, it was one of my uh one of my favorite uh gynex shows for sure and you know one of the reasons i was so hyped for trigger in the first place which they've made good on i you know so many great properties that they've put out uh and i i, I didn't think we'd ever get a sequel and i did think if we got a sequel it'd just be Someone just, you know, using the property because Gynex, you know, sold it yeah, out. Yeah, something sort um, of licensed. So, right. So I would expect the worst, but to have, you know, the people that should be on on it, it's 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 so it's so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, the summer anime season is mostly underway. There's, uh, I would say, about a third of the shows have not actually had their premiere yet, but mm -hmm. a good chunk have. Uh, I was away last week when Jace, uh, and I forget who he had as his co-host uh, co last week, to complete the summer preview show. But uh, I'm curious, uh, Razlo, have you actually started anything in the summer 2022 season yet? Of course I have, but it's a, it's a very strange season for me because it's almost making fun of my choices of the past because this mm. summer is a sequel to shows that I ne did not watch the earlier seasons of and so there are things really? that i would be i would be hyped for if i if i knew i should be hyped for them so to give an example of some of the sequels we have this summer we got another classroom with elite season we have more made in abyss more overlord more dropkick my devil more devil's a part-timer more rent a girlfriend more shadow house i had watched none of those <laughs> and so that makes a pretty big chunk of the season. So I feel like I'm having to do homework. So I've started to go back and start watching some episodes of Class of the Elite season one, started watching some episodes of Made in Abyss season one. I will get there. Uh, ooh, ooh. And if there's please any of those others that you Made think. Made in Abyss. Please it's, watch it's Made in Abyss season Made one. Ab it, it, it's so good. Made in Abyss is, is such a piece of art. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm four episodes in. I will definitely be completing that. If there's any others in those lists that I just listed off that I definitely need to go back and check out to make sure I'm caught up for this season, let me Devil's know. Devil is a part-timer. Uh, I think you mentioned that okay. one, right? Mm -hmm. um, that I'm yeah. very much looking forward to. It. Season two doesn't start for another five, six days uh, mm -hmm. as a time of recording. But uh, that was just an irreverent, fun series that I remember 
I watched all 12 episodes of Devil is a Part-Timer season one in a single day back in college. It was just the type of thing that, you know, Saturday morning, I, I just start watching. It's like, oh, this is one I've been told is pretty good. I'm going to watch an episode. And then two episodes in, I sort of glance at the clock and it's like, well, you know, it's noon on a Saturday and I've got nothing to do today. <laughs> what the hell? Let's do this. And I just roll Burned through it. it. And I'm not going to call it one of the best of all time. I'm not going to call it super iconic, but it was just a fun watch. It was right. a very easy watch. And I am optimistic that it will continue to be a fun watch this time around. So uh, did you, you know, see, uh, sorry, did you see Shadow House, Shadow's House at all? Yes. I know there's a lot of people that are very hyped about yes, that. Yes. So uh, we actually have a direct to. connection to Shadow's House here at oh. Dikai because the English voice actor for Kate, uh, the you know main Shadow protagonist, is none other than Emmy Lowe. Oh, okay. So, so then I should uh, check that out too. Yes, absolutely. That season one all was. Right legitimately good that i was in on that show before emmy was cast that that was one mm -hmm. that i came in week one of uh i forget which season it was saying hey i just watched this and this was really good really pretty and just uh looks like a good hook and then you know it was halfway through the season uh because at that point i forget if emmy was still actively hosting on the show or if she had sort of uh just gotten too busy i think she may have been busy but we found out that she had gotten the role of Kate and we were like, okay, well, so we already love the show, but now we really love the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I have, I have checked out some shows. So that I just, I had to, I had to put my gripe out there that I made some mistakes in the past. I'm paying for it this summer, mm -hmm. but of, of the shows, other shows that I've checked out that are not, you know, sequel series. I checked out bastard, which I had watched the old original, um, you know, 80s version and enjoyed. So I was happy to see that. Uh, a oh, few episodes there, in on uh, that. I'm I'm looking at the titles for everything here. I don't I hadn't seen one that's called Bastard. Is yep, Bastard. A... It's a yeah. It's on Netflix right now. Just just uh, dropped, and it's a redo of of that property, which was you know popular back in the day. One of those ones that you'd always see on or video shows. Because I'm, it's a show. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Annie chart right now, and I'm not seeing anything. Oh, I found it. I found it. Uh, it it's listed yeah. as an OVA. That's what it is. Oh, okay. They listed that's it as an so OVA. Okay. Why well, is it listed as an OVA when it has 24 episodes? I don't, I don't know. Maybe because it came out all at once because it's on Netflix. I'm not sure what no. their reasoning was behind that. Here, a post-apocalyptic uh, so, world of heavy metal fantasy. The only mm -hmm. thing able to save humans from orcs, lizardmen, and other monsters is something even more evil. Sealed within <laughs> a 14-year-old boy, the chaotic wizard Dark Schneider is unleashed <laughs> to fight four mighty generals and their plot to resurrect the evil god Asselat. A-N-S-L-A-S-A-X. Anslasax. Anslasax. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it it continues hmm. the uh, trend for some reason of Warner Brothers licensing and making uh, anime that, you know, is filled with, you know, metal band references for character names and things. So you get the Dark Schneider, uh, obviously a reference there. And then, you know, one of his spells, he's saying a mega death. It takes place in the land of Metallica. 
it's uh it's it's funny to see that wb's got multiple properties on their also, hands I, I see here on the shit. netflix page it says anthrasax so that's different from whatever translation went through yeah it's supposed to be it's supposed chart. to be it's supposed to be like an anthrax reference there it's all yeah. band names and things similar to jojo mm -hmm. so i watched okay, that i'm maybe enjoying you'll that have to watch that one if you're looking for a throwback sort of property, obviously because it's it is it is an old property, uh, it 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 does that. It has those older style character designs, that kind of dark, ridiculous action uh, sort of plot that you used to get a lot back in the day. Um, and I I like that because I started watching anime where that was most of what you got. So it's it's fun for me to to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, meanwhile. Uh, I've been looking around at a lot of the non-sequels, and frankly, mm -hmm. the non-sequels this season are mm -hmm. kind of underwhelming. That I think it's hard I've to only tell watched, for me. I've only watched two or three, but um, mm -hmm. the reviews that I've seen of a lot of the others that we've got a lot of really generic isekais this season that are just apparently not delivering. Mm -hmm. um fortunately there is a really good crop of sequels so that's nice but um so far the only non-sequels that i'm watching there's licorice recoil l-y-c-o-r-i-s recoil yeah. um that's an interesting shaping one that uh it's poised to say some interesting things about you know sort of a police state and the concept mm -hmm. of or you know killing to keep the peace but at the same time it's very pretty action by a1 yes. pictures uh we have a very very ganky protagonist and <laughs> the not so ganky uh, co-protagonist so you know a, a lot of good chemistry to be had there for sure um i watched the first episodes of where did it go um Engage it Kiss. Was, yes, Engage Kiss, which that right. was okay. I'll probably give it another two episodes to see that mm -hmm. um at the very least it's taking an interesting look at the the whole crux that we have here is it's private military companies. Mm -hmm. Um which is not something you usually get in anime and that they're having sort of not quite the economics, but the uh, you know, for lack of a better term, corporate politics and interactions right. of that industry, which I find a little bit intriguing. I hope they lean into it. But yeah, then the there's just, you know, part was interesting. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just very good looking action. Once again, it's actually an A1 Pictures production. Um, the, the crux of, oh, this demon needs to be kissed in order to get her power is <laughs> whatever. And, you know, it could be worse. I thought it was going to go further, honestly. I really yeah, did. Yeah, no, that it's like, you know, you, you get about three seconds of uh, some intense kissing, but they could have drawn it out longer, and they didn't, so I'll be grateful for that, and, well, at least it's <laughs> consensual, I guess? Yeah, oh, she so, wants it for sure. She I'll definitely wants it. it. I'll take the the wins where I can get them, the silver linings where I can get them. <laughs> um, you you, uh, you the, saw... Um, Oh, sorry. sorry go ahead. You saw Yuri Deco. Yuri Deco. You I have that not, out? but I've heard that it's interesting. I saw trailers for it. Um, that was one that was actually being advertised at the Crunchyroll booth. Have you seen it? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, obviously it's uh, Science Saru doing the um, animation on it. 
a lot of their stuff is really interesting. The visual style of nothing else is, you know, really unique. Really Boy, howdy is that deco. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the, they have a lot of confidence. They don't try that hard to uh, completely get you in on what exactly is happening fully in the first episode, but they set up the, the world and they definitely set up the style and given the, you know, track record uh, for who's making it, I'm definitely at least in there for three episodes, but I, I did enjoy the first episode. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Okay. Maybe I'll check that one out. Um, I'm watching Overlord 4, just saw the first episode earlier today, okay. but also I realized the other night that I had never actually finished season three, that I had somehow dropped it like three episodes from the end, not because oh, I didn't geez. enjoy it, but because it I had gotten busy with other things. So mm -hmm. I went through and watched the last three episodes of Overlord 3 the other night, and it remains one of my favorite power fantasy animes, that it just okay, maybe does I'll what it go does back. very well. <laughs> It's check that out. A, I don't want to call it a classic because it's not exactly an old anime at this point, but it was right. one of the earlier installments on what I would call the modern isekai power fantasy genre. Right. Mm -hmm. And it continues to just hit Excel. all the marks, check all the boxes very well mm -hmm. that, you know, in a world where we're now getting anywhere from two to five isekai power fantasy shows a season it continues to be one of the best i've seen i'm not going to call it an all-time classic but hey it's got four seasons so it's doing something right obviously and just the characters are good and diverse they have a solid mix of your generic you know power fantasy show off stuff but they're they get into politics and intrigue, which is always what hooks me a bit more than just, mm -hmm. oh, look at me cast powerful spell and fell many enemies. Don't get me wrong, there's a right. lot of that, but that they have the the plot infrastructure around it to keep you to compelled. It, yeah. And it's not, you know, this isn't Shakespearean, we're not talking really deep stuff, but <laughs> there's there's certainly a lot more substance here than you're going to get on average. So. Hmm. Uh, if you haven't ever actually started Overlord, it's one that I'd say if you right. start a power fantasy and you're like, eh, I don't know if this is going to keep my attention, maybe just go back and watch Overlord. Right, it's slot that in. I'm sure that there's going to be a bunch I'm going to drop because there there are a lot, like you were saying, um, not necessarily disappointing because I, I try to be positive and not get there yet, especially one episode, but yeah. there's a bunch that didn't immediately grab me. Um, there is one that I dropped partway in, which doesn't usually happen. I dropped partway into the first episode. Um, and not so much to speak of the quality, just I'm not the audience for it. But uh, Teppin, Laughing Till You Cry. It's... Oh, I remember. I saw, I, I don't know if that's a sequel or there was another I show I guess it's a Teppin sequel and I didn't realize it was a sequel. I, I think it's focusing on the first on... episode mm -hmm. of the first season and I dropped that yeah. one because it just... It wasn't it's very fun. Japanese style humor and um, in terms of the, and when I, when I say Japanese style humor, people are going to think of their favorite comedy anime. What I mean by that is if you were to go and see stand a stand-up comic routine in Japan or, you know, like a, a group comic sort of style of humor, which is very specific. Um, and some of the references 
that were being made to make the jokes, mm -hmm. I feel like I would need like a flow chart to understand a joke that probably wouldn't even be that funny of a joke, even if I was, you know, native Japanese. So for me, I was like, okay, this is, if, if, if I had more I am knowledge. I surprised to hear this because of my <laughs> own experience with it, that it, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was just, it, it was so boring because it was so mm -hmm. unfunny to my sensibilities. Yes. That's not to say that, yes. you know, it, this is very much looking like a show that is written for a culturally Japanese market, that it was not exactly. written to be one that Just was necessarily going to gonna be successful in international markets. And that's okay. But uh, definitely, I'm going to say it's not one I will be directing people to. Another one that's comedy-based that did hit for me, and I didn't get to finish watching the first episode because I had to record this, but I'm already sold, you know, 15 minutes into it. I, I laughed quite a lot. Was uh, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Ooh, okay. The... That's one of the ones that I, you know, <laughs> based on the title alone, I was like, I'll give this title. an episode. Um, <laughs> and I, when I checked it earlier today, Crunchyroll had not yet updated because it only just mm -hmm. aired, like, in the past 12 exactly. hours. Exactly. So it I take it that out, it is yeah. now up and that I will need to it's look up, at it. It's up, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, I'll just tell you the initial starting point of the first episode. Uh, a gentleman is in his apartment building. There's a lizard that he's woken up and there's a lizard for some reason laying on him in his bed. And the lizard says, I'm a knight and we've got to save the world from being destroyed. And he stares at it. They stare at each other. <laughs> He picks up the lizard by the tail, and throws it out the door. So, huh. <laughs> just uh, of it continues from there. But it's just a main character that wants absolutely nothing to do with what is happening. The premise itself is so ridiculous. The sense of humor from the lead character had me laughing quite a lot. So, uh, I'm sure that there'll be plenty of eventual action and things like that. But even just from the humor end of it, I was like, okay, I want to see this guy react to all this dumb things that are about to uh, occur to him because he's been thrust into this position. So mm. I would, I would recommend at least checking out the first episode and seeing if the uh, comedy of it aligns okay. with you, but it definitely Might does do that me. later today. Uh, one comedy show that's new this season that does have my attention is the hmm. Yakuza's guide to babysitting. Oh, and... I love the title. This is another entry in what I call the unexpected parental figure subgenre. <laughs> there have been a lot of these. There, just last season, we had Diamond, Taste of Happiness. Mm -hmm. And while Diamond, I've described as a very good show, very sweet, very grounded, Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting is absolutely leaning into the more absurd, the more comedic, and frankly, I think it's actually going to do better for it. That Don't get me wrong, I think Diamond was a solid show. It, it was a good slice of life and something that felt very real. But I'll be frank, those types of shows don't usually perform as well as proper mm. comedies or actions. Um, right. There is certainly enough room in the market for both. But I actually think that Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting will probably do better. And um, for this one, just, you know, as the title suggests, it is a man in the Yakuza who is given a uh, a surrogate daughter of sorts. And the, the circumstance is that he is one of the top lieutenants in this Yakuza uh, family and that his, the boss, so the, the head 
of this oh, wow. crime organization. Uh, it is his daughter. So the boss is alive and well. It seems to be suggested that the mother either is hospitalized or no longer alive, but that mm -hmm. the boss takes, you know, one of his top lieutenants and says, you're going to be taking care of my daughter. You cannot, you cannot uh, decline this uh, uh, order or I will kill you. And so, yeah. But at the same time, he is still there physically and emotionally for his daughter that uh, I won't spoil it, but it's clear that the boss is bringing in his subordinate here to be a caretaker, not a replacement father, and that he still undoubtedly loves his daughter. And it, it sort of says something about his character that he has the wherewithal to realize, okay, I need some help. And I need someone to be there for my daughter when I can't be. But at the same time, I'm not, you know, pawning off my daughter. I'm not abandoning her. But because I care about her, I want to make sure that she has someone who I trust who will oversee her when I myself cannot. But sounds, you still yeah, have the whole thing of... Bad. But at the same time, this is all uh, with the framework of she is the boss of a Yakuza daughter being tended to by a high-ranking Yakuza member. So right. expected comedy shenanigans ensue just from episode <laughs> one. But um, the Yakuza lieutenant is a smart man himself that he's not just, um, you know, we, we had um, Way the House Husband, where right, the House Husband great. was basically over-the-top Yakuza that he had a trouble sort of <laughs> delineating normal person behavior from Yakuza behavior. And that is not yes. the case here that we actually have an emotionally smart high ranking Yakuza, which is frankly relieving to see um, yeah, that takes. he has his Yakuza quirks and that, you know, at one point he notices that he's being tailed. So he says, all right, we're going to play red light, green light, because that gets the girl to uh, look away cool. and sort of close her eyes for a couple of seconds while he beats up the folks that are following them, but that he has the wherewithal of like, there's someone following us. I do not want to alarm this young girl that mm -hmm. we are being followed and potentially in danger. So I'm going to do something very calm, tell her that we're going to play a game and get her to look away while I take care of these guys. And then we are going to continue on our day that he is very emotionally smart. And uh, at the same time, it, he doesn't need to be over the top crazy himself because his job and the function right. of being in the Yakuza provides the circumstance without him having to be over the top himself. And uh, I like the way that the comedy is playing out. So Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, definitely one that's worth your time, at least uh, for one episode in. Oh, definitely. I, I was going to add it just off of the uh, title, um, but yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I'll definitely check, checking that out. I do have a bit of a, a rant to go on here. Oh, please. I just had a proper a, of rant a, of my own. <laughs> of a trend that I keep seeing happening. It frustrates me to no end. I don't know why it's happening, um, but there is increasingly a lot of shows that maybe in the past would have been an Aroge or hentai release, but are coming out as mainstream TV shows. Oh, that I don't boy. have. 
that I don't have an issue with. That's fine. Everyone can enjoy whatever type of entertainment they want. That part is fine. And I, and I understand why you would do it. My issue with it is these uh, streaming services, if you're going to bother to license one of these shows, first of all, decide if you actually want to air it. <laughs> like in the case of interspecies reviewers, where they very much did not want to air it. Or if you're going to, if you do want to air it, when there's three or four versions of that particular show made, you know, one for one television channel, one for another television channel slightly later at night, one for satellite, one for DVD, etc. At least try to license the, and maybe this isn't a possibility, in which case I'd say don't, maybe don't license the show, but try to li license the satellite version because who that would want to watch, who's in, that's in the demographic for this? would want to watch the highly censored you can't even see what's happening on the screen version and, and I, if if you're walking in the door for this type of content you know that you are right. looking for this type of content so <laughs> for those that want that type of content just let them have the actual content right i you know it it, it, it happened like i said interspecies reviewers funimation had to just drop it because Hey, go figure that 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 premise doesn't. It, it was going to go sexual. Well, no, <laughs> I, then, I think the issue with that one was that they didn't anticipate it going as far as it did. That uh, but it was based on something. That was the part I was just so confused with with that one. But anyways, true. they had yeah. their, they had their excuse for it, which didn't make any sense to me. Then we had, you know, um, last fall we had uh, was it this? Actually, it was this this winter actually, but it seems like it's been a while. But redo of Healer. And that was a whole nother thing where, you know, it's, and then we had, you know, uh, just last season um, uh, or the, the one before we had World's End Harem. But in each case, they're, they're basically, you know, these, these hentai shows and they're censoring to such a degree that you just can't see what's happening. And I'm like, how is this fun for anyone to watch? And I just, I wish that whoever licensed them was capable of, uh, or would only license them if they could actually show them. Because if 30% if of the content is going to be sexual in nature and you're not showing it, then what it, really, I don't understand how that It does seem a little bit silly, but... Yeah. Um, Anyways, that was I, my I wonder if there's, watching. <laughs> that there's probably a combination of legal matters there of what they can and can't show um, just without some you know, additional checks and verifications of sure. age. Um, but well, in that instance, I, thing I, that, I, you I know, like, the, yeah, it, don't license they, it. <laughs> they do need to find, I think, a better solution to what they have right now, whether it be, you know, like an add-on of, you know, for an additional $1 a month that you get access to these uncensored shows or that, like, if there's some, I don't know legally what is required for validation of age for this well, type of thing that is it as simple as you know you know are you 18 years or older click yes to confirm and that you know i think you, so by you, clicking this agree that you are not lying and stuff and that well, you, you look know at HBO is not max. yeah how do they do it there hbo max and 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 disney plus you know for their content that's adult targeted they have they have it so that you have to you have to opt in 
And they also have the ability to make kids profiles or alternate profiles where, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff is, is kept out. And I mean, Crunchyroll needs user accounts anyway. Um, High Dive has user accounts. So I, I might finally be um, uh, breaking down and getting High Dive. Uh, it's probably just because to, of Made in Abyss. But they had know, a deal been... where it was half off. If you use the anime um, Boston code, I don't know if it's still active, but uh, you know that's like twenty four bucks for a full year of high dive. And oh hell have... yeah, I'm, I might look in Google around and see if they had anything at AX because I wouldn't be surprised. They probably do, and they they really do have. I think their strongest um, summer this year that they've ever had. So yeah, they, they, have, they had actually a quite a few shows. That, that it, it's always been that there's one or two a season that I look at and say, oh, it's on high dive guess i'm not right. going to watch it and in the past it's been because i i want to keep the number of subscriptions i have in check but mm -hmm. to be fair the number of subscriptions that i have went down at the beginning of the year when crunchyroll and funimation merged because i used to it's have both crunchyroll and funimation i was okay with two and i didn't mm -hmm. want to add a third but at this point since i only have crunchyroll since funimation isn't a thing anymore that you know uh, high dive is less than funimation was so i guess yeah you know, that's it's a pretty it good app, I have to say, too, I, I, from, my, from my perspective, anyways. The only yeah, so, downside to it is they don't have it on some of the consoles, which I know some people I always watch, watch on consoles, uh, computer so. anyways. I, I don't really sure. use uh, TV apps. Maybe I should, but I'm, I'm just fine watching on my laptop. Yeah, so I'm probably going to do that the... because Made in Abyss, <laughs> baby. Made in Abyss. Oh, man, I'm excited to you know, get current and, and watch that stuff. Uh, and they yeah, be, I'm, I'm going to warn you right now. That show is not going to remain as cute as it looks. It is. A, I mean, it's not really cute from the. I would say, but and you definitely get the sense that it's going to get dark. So yeah, I, ooh, I, I yeah. get it. Yeah. Uh, the the anime. If anyone's curious, that this season that is butchered to heck in terms of content is not a surprise. Harem in the labyrinth of another world. I looked at course. that one. I was like, wow, you're, you're like I kind of almost <laughs> respect it for the. <laughs> Like that is some. The title tells you what it is. <laughs> it, it's just that is as blatant and mm -hmm. generic as it, it can get. Yeah, and I have to respect called them Harem for Isakai. having the audacity to actually just name a show that. It's a pity <laughs> right. that the reviews I've seen say that it's just super lackluster. Yeah, I, I didn't even get very far into it when I saw how heavily censored it was. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, if I'm watching this, I need to watch the, you know, quote-unquote real version and see if I like it at all or not. But uh, there's still a few that I do want to watch this season that I have not uh, yet checked out. There's one that was going around as a meme on Twitter, so some people might have seen this clip from it. But uh, Uncle from Another World... Yeah, so that clip. one's going to be on Netflix. <laughs> it doesn't actually drop on Netflix for another week or two. That similar to Comey, where it's going to be like it'll be mm -hmm. weekly releases, not the batch release, but that it's right. two weeks or, or so behind the Japanese broadcast. So you have a little a bit to wait. There's a funny scene from it that's going around all over Twitter where mm -hmm. the uncle wakes up and his first question is how Sega's doing. And when he hears how Sega's doing and what's happening in the video game world, he's oh, no. he's very, very upset. <laughs> I, I have no context for the show. The The title is fine, but also just uh, the, the key art is a little bit disturbing because mm -hmm. it, that is an ugly uncle. 
<laughs> it's definitely a comedy sort of thing. The concept is that this uh, kid has an uncle that wakes up from a coma that he's been in for, you know, 10 uh, or maybe it's must maybe it's must longer. Yeah, I'm time, looking at now. It says 17 years. years ago, Takafumi's uncle fell years. into a coma, mm -hmm. but now he's back like a man risen from his grave. <laughs> Soon, Takafumi <laughs> discovers two bizarre things: his uncle treasures video games above all else, and while comatose, he was actually transported to another <laughs> world as some heroic guardian. Now, not only does Takafumi have to, to room with an uncle who is literally magical, he also has to catch the guy up on two decades of history. Smartphones, high-speed internet, modern anime tropes, and the traumatic outcome of the 90s console war. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think you could tell from that that uh, synopsis if it would interest you or not. But it, I'm going to give it at least like an episode or two for sure. Yeah. And then there's another one that I wanted to uh, check out, and I've is another throwback and also on netflix similar to how bastard was a throwback we got spriggan another take on spriggan uh is out on netflix i've heard good things from some people that have checked it out but i have not gotten a chance to check it out yet so i'm interested in seeing how this version of spriggan differs from the last one I'm... that we got i'm looking to see if i can find that one too um it's one that he was promoted very heavily in the 90s if you were going around to blockbusters and things like that. And How do you trying spell to find it? The, whatever the next R-I-G-G-A-N. I'm not seeing it when I search here on any chart, but maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know how they listed it, but yeah, it just came out, I think, uh, this week or maybe last oh, yep, week. There it there. is. Huh. Neat. So. A license you may recognize if you are a bit older and were checking out uh, anime in the 90s. It, it kind of yeah. was a semi-big deal back then. Uh, and speaking of stuff tied to uh, things that are kind of a throwback, uh, Futo P.I., I know that Jace is going to be watching this uh, due to its Common Rider connection, and I want to check that out as well. Mm. Uh... I forget if I mentioned it two weeks ago, but Ruby Ice Queendom has started. They mm -hmm. had the first three episodes up on Crunchyroll, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm very excited to see where it goes. And I am a longtime fan of Ruby. Um, the idea of Shaft doing a Ruby show is so exciting. I wish Monty were here to see it. Um, yeah, they so do high. a great job of encapsulating the first season of the show in the first couple episodes. Uh, they streamline it. They add in a couple of scenes that didn't exist in the original while cutting out, frankly, the worst parts of the first season. So that's just great all around, while also showing that this is a distinctly new continuity, that there are some characters and plot lines that very much mm. did not exist in uh, the web animation. So the thing that I'm very curious to see in the long run is just how this fits into Ruby canon, that over time, will we establish that this is just entirely separate, that this is, you know, parallel universe and that there will never be an interaction with the web animation? Or will we find out at some point in the show, are we working with multiverses? Yeah, I, it, I'd be when, fine either way, frankly. One interesting thing about this one is, you know, it seems like people who have never checked out Ruby at all before are enjoying it. And yeah, people I hope so. who like Ruby are also enjoying it. So 
that's a real hard thing for anyone to accomplish. So, you know, regardless of anything else, you know, congrats to the, the team that worked on it. Yeah, that um, from what I understand, uh, Rooster Teeth has had basic levels of approval and oversight, but that at large Shaft has had the majority of the direction and free reign that it was Shaft ideating and Rooster Teeth just sort of thumbs up saying, yeah, this is okay. Uh, we approve mm-hmm. of this. And, you know, it's Gen Urobuchi at the helm, so it's a it's a big name there. And Shaft, yeah. obviously, a very storied studio. Uh, the animation is very pretty, certainly it better is, yeah. than uh, the first season of Ruby was back in the day <laughs> because uh, they were working with some rough stuff back then. Right. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how that continues. I'm, I'm probably going to check out the maid I hired as recently as Mysterious, simply because mm. Studio Silverlink is attached. And uh, you aren't aware of this, Razlo, but um, Studio Silverlink is sort of the the darling studio for me personally. That oh, interesting. I found that they don't do the best stuff out there. That they mm-hmm. don't make the things that turn your head. They aren't a one. They aren't Cloverworks, but that I found in general, whoever is in charge of the licensing department at Silverlink knows how to pick them, that they have really proven themselves with a track record of either generic sounding shows or just very basic genre shows that always Mm -hmm. overperform, that they aren't going to be anime of the year stuff, but that more often than not, they hit on what would be like a B to a B plus level of, oh, you know, just based on the synopsis and key art, you would expect this to be a, a C level show, but it's just right. something that consistently overperforms. And uh, their track record isn't 100%, but um, they're the studio behind Bofuri. I didn't want to get hurt, so I maxed out my defense. They did mm-hmm. um, My Next Life is a Villainess. So they've done a lot of really good stuff and just uh, it's been very consistent. So it's not necessarily that I I think they're the best studio out there, but I always make sure to sort of glance at what they do to see how what they've got that um they did uh, Jahi won't be defeated. They did Nanyon Biori, um, Our Last Crusade. Um, I've missed a lot of their stuff personally. <laughs> The only one that I can see real quickly glancing through that I know that I've seen, you know, and yet another referencing another title from the creator of Redo of Healer. It says something about me, I suppose, but uh, the world's finest assassin gets reincarnated as an aristocrat I watched. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was interesting to just see another property from that particular creator uh, and obviously a different animation studio involved. Yeah, that was a fun one. I think we actually gave it like... It was an honorable mention, or it might have been like ninth or tenth on our anime of the year list mm-hmm. last year. Just that, um, for whatever reason, Mario and I found it very enjoyable. We're not going to call it a masterpiece, but it was one that was just <sighs> for it was the level of absurd that it wanted to be, and it did it well. And that's okay. a very good example of what I say when you know, Silverlink doesn't do masterpieces, but Silverlink uh, is very good at finding titles that are sort of diamonds in the rough. I think that's probably the best way to put it. That they've so got I did an eye for look, that. 
another one jumped out at me and this is i mean i can't imagine that they got another one that they've made that i would like more than this but uh what a mote i absolutely loved mm. so that's that's another one from them I, I i just loved that one yeah yeah um yeah so I'll, I'll probably take a glance at that because it's silver link i see they also do uh when will ayumu make his move not so sure about that one but it's detecting like i said just uh, I think mm -hmm. that's actually one on high dive, so uh, I'll probably end up, my guess is sometime this weekend, maybe uh, actually getting that set up. I'm going to have to look and see if there was a yeah, everyone look for the deal. special. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's the type of thing that there's a lot of really good sequels that doing a quick glance through as we start to wind down here for sequels that I'm going to watch, there's... Uh, actually, let me change the order again. I this is definitely a sequel summer for sure. Mm -hmm. That there is. I'm skimming past a lot of ones that I'm not watching actually. Uh, <laughs> Maiden Abyss, Overlord. Mm -hmm. I'll sort of count Ruby as a sequel. I'm debating of whether right. or not I want to watch Rent a Girlfriend. That it was okay for me. I didn't love it. Uh, Shadows mm. House definitely. Devil's a part-timer. And yeah, so that's, even if we don't count uh, Rent-A-Girlfriend, that's five sequel series right off the top. And then for new shows, Engage Kiss will count for now. We'll see. That's one I could see myself actually dropping. I want to see KJ File that hasn't begun yet. Um, yeah, Who's Thrown the Biscuit story. Hammer, Licorice Recoil. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Made Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, and that's six. So we're at what we'll call a dozen there, and then I'm continuing a couple of cuckoos, uh, cuckoos, and uh, Summertime Rendering I think is now available on Disney Plus. I need to double check that. Um, it wasn't when I checked two days ago, but okay, then it's probably still not. Then I'm not gonna do that one. I don't know what wanna, they're gonna I, do with it here. Yeah, I hope they do, so. but. Uh, that means that we're shaping up at 13 to start. My guess is that once a couple episodes have gone through, that it'll get trimmed to 9 or 10. So definitely not as many as last season. But uh, I know that uh, Neo Ivan was doing an over-under on do I start with 10 or more shows that uh, if you bet the over, at least to start, we'll say that mm -hmm. the over wins on this. But we will see by the end of the season where it ends up because there's that's how the there are story. several of these that I am not sold on quite yet. That uh, I I'll start with Rent a Girlfriend, but I'm gonna see if I drop that. Um, Made I hired as mysterious is honestly one that it's just Silverlink getting me in the door, so I'm actually gonna be a bit more aggressive on dropping that. Um, and then there's a couple others. Oh, and then there's Uncle from Another World. So who knows? Uh, yep. But yeah, that. A, it's not shaping up to inherently be as stacked as the spring was, but at the same time, you know, I'm still looking at 10 shows, so it's still pretty good. And uh, like we said, there's a lot of returning ones that for all the ones that I'm watching, there's other sequels that I know a lot of others, like there's Classroom of the Elite. There yeah, uh, is Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon. There's mm -hmm. More Love Live because there's always more Love Live. <laughs> So uh, hopefully there's going to yeah, be a little think, something for everyone this season. 
Yeah, I think for the people that have, you know, have not lapsed on a lot of these sequels, like unfortunately I had, it just didn't work out for me. Um, but I'm going to do my homework on some of them. And But for the other people, I think it might be an even stronger season for them. If, if, if they liked all those sequels, I mean, man, what a lot of uh, follow-ups you have to watch this season. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, uh, I think that's just about going to do it for us. I will be back next week, as always, for my Thursday streams with RJ for DKI on Friday. But then next Saturday, the 16th, we are doing our next radio drama presentation, and it's going to be The Room. I'm, I say I'm not looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it because I always look forward to the radio dramas. But uh, if you're interested in hearing one of the worst movies ever made, <laughs> having a radio drama, here you go. I can almost guarantee that we are going to create a better experience than you would get if you normally watch it. It's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where, you know, having it done by a cast, having it done irreverently is actually going to just improve what is otherwise a really unimpressive piece of media. And I've been watching The Room for the first time because I am proud to say the only reason that I'm watching it is because I kind of have to for the script adaptation that I have Makes not sense. watched it before. And oh my gosh, it is as bad as I expected. It is impressively bad. I understand. Like, I'm not surprised that it is as bad as it is because I've heard about it. And, you know, right. it's just the fact, almost the fact that it's living up to my expectations of how bad it is, <laughs> is saying no something. Because the expectations were high for how bad it is, and it is living up to it, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, yeah, so if you want to hear that, that's going to be next Saturday, the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. As always, be sure to visit our sponsor, Image Anime, at imageanime.com and use the code DISCOUNTSHIP, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P, for free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Uh, and you can get Digital Era Entertainment merchandise at www.digitaleraentertainment.streamelements.com. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, on YouTube, you can check out the trailer for Kokoro no Pro, our upcoming visual novel uh, wrestling game that's being hit up by RJ and Mario. Uh, I believe there's actually going to be happy hour in just a little bit, so stick around for that if you're watching live. And if not, stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch.